You're listening to the Food Freedom Life Podcast. My name is Brittany Allison, and I spent six plus years stuck in diet binge cycles, hating my body, and envying others who seem to have it all because I never felt enough. What I discovered in my journey to food freedom and becoming a registered dietitian is this. You can either live your life at war with your mind or learn to work in sync with it. So if you're ready to learn how to be in tune with yourself and evolve your life, welcome to the show. Welcome back to another week of the Food Freedom Life podcast. Today we have a client on with me. We worked together a couple of years ago now. We have Erin with us and I'm really excited for her to be here and see her again and chat with her today. So welcome, Erin. Thanks for having me, Brittany. Yeah, it's I guess it's been about two years. So yeah, it's it's crazy to think back over the last couple of years and I made like some notes, you know, preparing for the call and it's just crazy how things have changed. And yeah, so it's good though. It's nice to talk with you. It is. And I can't wait to get into all of it. And I love that you took notes, very prepared. (laughs) (laughs) So good. But why don't we start off just first sharing a little bit about who you are as a person, what you like to do, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I'm, um, how old am I now? I'm 41 and I'm married and a mother of two kind of smallish people. And I work in IT for a small factory for a tech company. I am a recovering people pleaser. And also I've been on my recovery journey, I guess for about three and a half years now after uh, more than two decades of ongoing dieting and things like that. But yeah, you know, I like reading and hiking and music and spending time with friends and family and things like that. And I I guess I consider myself to be an extroverted introvert. Wonderful summary, (laughs) especially the recovering people pleaser part. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny what you learn about yourself or like how your perception of things changes when you're not spending every waking moment worrying about food and exercise. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, it really shifts and changes things for sure. You see things a little clearer. You kind of take off some of those rose-colored glasses that you might be stuck with and you come face-to-face with a lot of things that can be hard, but really rewarding in the end. Yeah, absolutely. And so when would you say your issues with food and body image really started for you? I think it probably started pretty early. I didn't necessarily have a problem myself initially, but I, I think probably when I was like maybe about eight or nine, I started noticing just like little comments that people would make. And it was more like them comparing their body to mine, be like, oh, you're, you're plump like me, or girls Mm -hmm. like us, we have to watch how many potatoes we eat, like just weird. And as a young child, I was like, that's a weird thing to say. But again, I think right kind of around that age, like you're starting to become more aware of yourself as an individual and how you fit into things. So I think that's about when it started and then it kind of gradually ramped up from there um, in my teens and everything. So I think it was more just like this general sense that like my body was too big and my hunger was too big. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, I just, I didn't really know what to do about it. So yeah. And then in, I guess my later teen years, I started to I think more actively diet or try to eat less or, or, you know, move more or things like that with the intention of changing my body and not just, you know, playing or eating something. Cause Oh, that sounded good or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so interesting that comparison 
between adults and you as a child who just is trying to figure out your own relationship with your body and just trying to like feel comfortable in yourself and navigate this world. And then here are adults coming in, just totally manipulating your perception of yourself. Yeah. I don't think people necessarily, like, I I don't think I was actively bullied about it necessarily or anything like that, but it was just more like people kind of projecting their own crap or their own, their own issues with their own body onto me. And then eventually you like take that on yourself. Right. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it was the nineties. So (laughs) it was suddenly everyone, you know, the media or whatever, suddenly told everybody that they were fat and they had to change everything they'd been doing. So I think people were kind of struggling with their own stuff. So it's something I was really upset about for a long time, but kind of, like you said, you kind of work through that and you realize like, these are just people that are going through their own stuff. So Absolutely. And I think it helps to just understand that, that it was never really about you. It was never actually about your body or how much you were eating or your hunger. And that was never wrong. Yeah. But that the culture as a whole told these adults that they were wrong. And that just was on their mind so much that it couldn't help but bubble up to the surface and be projected onto you. Yeah. Well, and I think so many parents like they were being told, well, all you have to do is this diet. Yeah. And then they thought, well, I mean, my kid is in a body that's different than what society says they should look like. So obviously they, this is what they should do. So mm-hmm. not, not knowing at the time how harmful that could yeah. be. Right. Absolutely. And it's a generational thing, right? If that's what yeah. their parents did, then that's what they do. And unless they kind of acknowledge it and recognize it, then it just keeps getting passed down and down and down. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when did dieting really become a uphill battle? So yeah, like I think I kind of started dieting like my late teens. And then it was really an on again, off again thing all through my 20s, all through my 30s, like through both pregnancies, I counted points and containers and macros and portions and all the things that I mean, they tell you not to diet, but then they say, but don't get in any weight or only gain this much or whatever. And so really, I think at various points along the stage, I had kind of thought to myself, like, this is not healthy or this is not a good way to think. Um, and I think it really kind of came to a head for me and it kind of came crashing down. Um, <laughs> it was really, uh, I guess it would have been the winter just before the pandemic, actually. Um, and, uh, you know, so I'd had my second child, my first child was a son, so it didn't bother me so much. But then when I had my daughter, it was kind of like, I don't want her to have to be like this. And like, I was not happy in my body, but like, I don't know. I just like, I just kept trying to do different diets. I couldn't stick to anything. And like, I was angry all the time. And like, you know, I hated everybody all the time, like my husband, my kids, like I was just so resentful to everybody because they were getting in my way of sticking to my diet or getting my workout in. And I started to have all these injuries and like, I couldn't heal from them. So then I'm like, well, if you're not going to run, then you can't eat. And like, it was this perpetual thing. Like I just couldn't, my body was just like, nope, you're done. Yeah. Um, And then, so I would kind of like the seed had been planted and I was thinking of it. And then the pandemic started and then we were home and they were like, don't go to the grocery store, only go once every two weeks. And like, 
only eat, you know, beans and rice and letting all this stuff. And, and I just was like, I can either choose to just like, this is it. You, you know, you can't be try to be on a diet and try to work full time and try to do online school uh, or kindergarten or whatever, and make sure everyone's needed or met and try to like eat perfectly and have salads. And like, I was just like this, there is no way. So it wasn't easy, but I just, I just knew there was no going back at that point. Mm, that was kind of your diet rock bottom. Yep. Yeah, that was it. You really got to a place where it was becoming very pervasive in your life. Like when you said you were just angry at everybody, I feel like that resonates with a lot of people. You just weren't acting yeah. like that's not who you are. No, like I was just, I was an angry mom and just an angry coworker and an angry friend. And just, I was just so angry and I, I could see, and I think I had seen it. I started to realize that I had seen it in different friends and different people that I knew that they got to this point where you have to either choose your family or your diet mm. because your family will get in the way of your workout plans or they'll get in, they want to have tacos. And you're like, no, on my meal plan today is such and such. And I don't want to cook two meals. So, and I, I just, I feel like it's like a pipeline, right? You, yeah. And you see so many of these marriages break up or families or whatever, because that's how she's able or to stick with the diet or to make it work. The only way you can make it work and is to cut everyone out. And yeah. I just wasn't willing to do that. Everything just becomes really centered and focused on the food. And I, I think it really does take a special level of self-awareness to understand that, that it's actually, it's not about the people in your life because we can really, again, project that outwards that like, they're the problem and this is the problem. But in reality, it's this hyper focus on weight and losing weight in my body that's making all of these other pieces feel impossible and wrong and uncontrollable. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there was just, there's enough of it. Like I, I had followed certain people on Instagram or whatever um, and some YouTubers and like that seed had been planted and I could see that there was another way that it didn't have to be this way. So it wasn't easy, but I could see, I just couldn't do it anymore. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, I mean, that's great that you were able to find that. Do you remember how you first stumbled upon intuitive eating? Um, I think it was the fuck it diet. So mm. one of my friends on Facebook had posted something about saying how this was really, um, like a turning point for them when they had read that book. And I, I'm going to say it was a couple of years before that I had read that book. So like I started recovery in 2020, but I think I probably read that book in 2018. And then there was like just little things and that kind of planted the seed. And I kind of started to follow, following a couple people. So I was still, you know, trying to do beach body and right. Trying every, the French women don't get fat and all the things. Because I think I knew I needed to find some balance, but um, it's that oh, I was on the fence for a long time. And then I kind of leaned a little more to one side. And while I still held on to the fence yeah, for probably, I guess, almost a year. And then that's when I called you. So, yeah. yeah. So what made you reach out to me in the end? Was it just COVID and everything or what was it? I think it was kind of like that. So I had really kind of decided like this is it I have to change I guess it was it would have been in around March or February 
And then, and I, and I actually joined group coaching with a different coach for a while. So I was about a year in and that first little while can be really was, it was really hard, right? Because you're starting and like you go through that first few weeks of honeymoon. So like I had really extreme hunger and I think that was part of why I was so angry is because I was so hungry all the time. Yeah. Like I was that person that would like binge on carrots and like, you know, (laughs) but only so many carrots because they're have too many charms. And so we have to switch to cucumbers at some point and you know what I mean? Yeah. And I was really, I was really like, it's almost like a a 12 step or like the stages of grief or something like that. Right. Like, and I was really in a bargaining, like I was trying to diet without really dieting and trying all these, well, if I just do this, or I, if I don't snack in between meals or, and like, I was really struggling with a lot of shame around exercise too. Um, And I think that's what it was. So I reached out to you. It was around New Year's, so it would have been like December 2020, January 2021, because mm-hmm. I knew that the New Year's, New Year, New Year stuff was going to start, and I was like, I can't do that, and I need help to get through this. Yeah, and I knew, like, I I think I knew that I was on the right track, but the shame around exercise and like the shame about my body changing and like that, like I was really struggling with that kind of stuff. Yeah, and all the all the stories I'd been told and adopted and ideas I and opinions I thought were mine, but maybe weren't. So yeah, I was really struggling with all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah. And so you just decided at that time, like, you know, Hey, I've done this other program, but I need just something that to get me yeah. through other pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. It's not quite addressed yet. Yeah. Like the other, uh, the other coach that I had worked with, um, she was really lovely. And I, I really um, am grateful to her for helping me to kind of get started, but there were little things. I don't know if she's a hundred percent healed on her own either. And, and there was a lot of messaging that, well, if you just think intuitively, then you'll never be overweight. And I'm like, well, but I am. So (laughs) now what? And there was a lot of, well, if you just eat intuitively, then your weight will go down and stabilize in a normal range. And Mm. like, I think we, you know, we've all heard that that's a possibility. And I'm going to be honest, if I didn't know that was a possibility, I probably never would have started recovery. Like Mm. I had to at least know that was an option for where I was in my journey. Mm. But yeah, I, I was very much on the hunger and fullness diet. Yes. Yeah. So, and I was really struggling with that. And I, I think I remember talking with you, like I really had this, like I had to do recovery and the hunger fullness diet perfectly, just like everything else. And like, I was really frustrated because, you know, the intuitive eating, you know, you need to sit down and be relaxed and make your yeah. plate nice. And I was running between meetings and kindergarten and online school and making, you know, cause everybody was home all the time. And I think they had just announced that the schools were going to remain closed into January you remember they extended it yeah yeah first year and I was just like I can't do this because <laughs> I had been like you know I love my children but I had been like counting down the minutes until they were going to go back to class and suddenly they weren't going back because I was like I need to be able to sit and chew my bites 23 times and like no <laughs> that's where I was when I called you <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I think you made a really good point just 
that you needed to know it was a possibility that maybe your weight would go down and stabilize in a, a yeah. you know, quote unquote normal range. But, and I mean, weights can go down in intuitive eating, but it should never be a promise because we just don't know. I wish I could look into my crystal ball and say yeah. exactly what's going to happen, but yeah. And Hey, that program got you as far as it could. And it got you further than you were. And that's one. Right. And so, yeah. yeah. But the hunger fullness diet and like being perfect about that, that's so <laughs> common. I think a lot of people listening can probably yeah. resonate with that too, that, okay, you know, here's this thing, here's intuitive eating and here's this scale, right? And because yeah. it's number, numbers based in a really big way, I think people tend to really latch onto it when they're used to being in the numbers with food anyways. It's like, okay, great. Now here's this other way I can have numbers and be in control and use this tool and so let's be perfect at it yeah well and I think um I don't know if it kind of goes to the people pleasing like if I can just be perfect enough or if I can just do it right then they'll like me or then yeah I'll be good enough or whatever right so yeah yeah. but I mean part of being a a good fat person is that you have to exercise too so that was a a big part of it as well so Mm -hmm. yeah why do you feel like that part held so much shame was it because of that idea of like being a you know good fat person yeah I think that was part of it and I think through a lot of my time of the chronic dieting like exercise was a big part of that so I think that was that was a big part of it like so I think I identified as a a fit person or someone who had overcome that or or whatever so giving up exercise was really hard like I I feel like it was almost harder than the food yeah. Um, in a lot of ways. And I went like a solid year and a half without exercising. Like I laid in my bed and I read books and I watched movies and I played board games with the kids and I meditated and like I had bubble baths and that was it. And like, you know, once a week here and there, I might do some yoga or like walk around the house or dance with the kids or play the floor is lava like if we if I felt like it but a lot of times I didn't and like I let my house get messy and you know some days it bothered me and some days it didn't and I just had to tell myself I'm like you just need to to rest and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks but I really needed you to tell me that that was okay and I think that's what it was like you see you know on Instagram or whatever that these people you know, oh, I recovered. Now my friends and I go out for martinis and we eat appetizers and have bottomless brunch and it's great and everything. But it was not, my recovery was not like that. Yeah. Like I was at home and I live in a really small town. So like there's the grocery store and like the Chinese food restaurants open two days a week and it's takeout only. Mm-hmm. And there's a Tim Hortons, but like, especially in early in the pandemic, they were sold out of everything all the time. Like I was not going out to eat with friends no. and it was a lot of me cooking craft dinner and, you know, vegetables, the kids wouldn't eat. And like, so I needed to talk to someone that wasn't in it too. Cause I think mm-hmm. everyone in my life very much had, whether they were on a diet or not, their opinion was, if you're a bigger person, you are supposed to be on a diet and that is bad and diets are good. Like, I know even my husband, like, he didn't say anything for a long time. And like, I talked a little bit about like what was going on and what my plan was. And like, he, I could tell he didn't know what to say right. and he couldn't 
say like I had like I had no one to talk to right so I needed someone I could talk to like as a person who understood what was going on and could help me through that whether it was just to listen to me or whether it was to give me you know constructive suggestions on how to move forward or ask questions to reflect upon or things like that yeah so and I don't know if we talked about this but I actually did call a couple of therapists too to try because I thought well I, I don't know if I need a dietitian or therapy or like what the f do I need here and uh they all as soon as you mention um I'm overweight but I'm trying to give up dieting they're like oh I've had a really good success hypnotizing people and they lose weight so I don't know if you've heard of yeah. it's like the the virtual gastric band or something they pitch it as but oh my gosh I was just as soon as they did that I'm like no so I at least had sense I'm lucky that I knew that that was not the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. So much to unpack there. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe there are people out there who have had long term success with that, but I, I don't know enough to speak on it, but I imagine that people mostly who do see weight loss with that, it would be more of a short term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, that's, you know, maybe if you had been a year prior, you would have been more open to that. Who knows? But it sounds like you were out of maybe. place where you're like, this is just not what I need. I need to like talk about this with somebody who gets it and who can like yeah. give me constructive feedback and just listen and get it. Exactly. Because yeah. like the people in my life, they didn't get it. They, you know, I've got family members that sell Beachbody and like family members that they drink the teas and the shakes and I just they're just I just knew I needed to talk to someone (laughs) yeah for sure something that you you said to me kind of stuck out to me as well just that you needed permission that it was okay to not exercise yeah I think I knew that it was okay and like I just needed one person to tell me it was okay yeah I grew up my my parents are both uh, workaholics and like they very much grew up with that, the, that glorification of busy. And uh, so it was very drilled into me and, you know, at work and everywhere, right. We're supposed to all be on this continuous self-improvement journey and, yeah. you know, be more productive and whatever. And I just needed permission. I just need one person to say like, it's okay to just, and I don't know why I needed someone to tell me like, my husband is quite comfortable, like having a nap in the middle of the day. And I just like, that was sacrilegious, like you nap. Oh my God. But, and it was so nice. <laughs> when I did, yeah. I was like, man, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of that, yeah. that line of thinking of, you know, it's okay for them, but not for me. Yeah. Right. Or like, it's okay for them to be that body size, but not for me. It's okay for them to eat that thing, but not for me. Just, we make these spoken rules for ourselves that we're not worthy of doing a certain thing. And so I think when somebody else tells you that specifically for you, it's okay to not exercise in this example, like it's okay to, you know, take time off and not do it and let yourself heal and let your body just come to a place where it actually wants to again, instead of always being forced to that is really healing hearing that. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I had so many rules. Oh my God. (laughs) Well, I kept like, I couldn't just be like, Oh, you just go for a walk when you feel like it. Like everything. I think we talked about this. Everything had to be a, okay, well then I'll walk three days and alternate days. I'll do weight training and then I'll have to fit in the yoga as well like everything had to be this giant program I couldn't just be couldn't do 
I feel like having a bath or I I feel like eating chocolate or I'm not hungry right like you couldn't do it everything had to be structured and so it was hard to let go of the structure and just kind of go with the flow but it was very much what I needed to do yeah yeah the structure it it almost becomes crushing at a certain point and it just becomes this thing that every fiber of your being wants to rebel against and do the opposite when you've been just so shoved into a box for so long we need to bust out of that box yeah definitely I mean how did that kind of evolve for you over the course of taking that year and a half or so off of it so yeah so that would have started I guess 20 in the summer of 2021 and I'm gonna say it's really just been within the last few months that I've started to exercise and I'm putting exercise in air quotes but like that I've started to kind of do it a bit more often and not worry that it's going to turn into like an eating disorder thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I went for a walk and then I didn't feel like I had to go for a walk again the next day Mm. or, and I didn't feel guilty about it. And I didn't like, I didn't start having those racing thoughts and it's really only been within the last few months and like, it's weird. I'm still getting used to it. So yeah. yeah. Cause I, I think even during that time, there were days where like my body felt like it needed to move. Like I sit at a desk all day for work and like, I felt like I needed to stretch or whatever, but I had to be really careful that I didn't do too much because it would trigger those thoughts again. So I'm just kind of out of place now where like, I'm okay with doing weight training twice a week or whatever I feel like doing. And like the next week I'm like, you know, that felt good. I feel like doing that again. There's not this stress or shame or obligation attached to it like if I will and I was like oh do you do I feel like doing that again and if I thought to myself no I don't really feel like that like there's no I don't feel any shame about that anymore but for a long time I did so I kind of tried again last summer I'm like you know I could do like a 20 minute walk every morning that's not really a big deal and I think the second day out I rolled my ankle and then I was three months (laughs) before I could stand on my foot again properly and I thought well this is my I know it was just me I was clumsy I wasn't paying attention. I rolled my angle, but deep down, I think it was the universe's way of telling me like, no, you're not ready yet. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting. You said, you know, I'm just, just, just going to go for a 20 minute walk every day. Like it's, yeah. Isn't that crazy? You probably yeah. hear it all the time, but yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of power in saying it out loud. Sometimes you don't hear it in your head, but it's like, can you hear the way that you are mm-hmm. setting yourself up with all of this structure and all of this all or nothingness too, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, and even like, I think now I'm at a place where uh, those sneaky thoughts or those thoughts about restriction or excessive structure or whatever, as soon as I have one of those ideas, I can immediately like laugh at it now. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, here we go. Um, And I'll stop right away. Where like for when you and I were working together, I was really like, I was still self-sabotaging very actively. And then I'd still have those moments and I'd be like, well, you just need to eat this every day. Or you just need to, like, I try to make those rules. And two hours later, I'd be binging on chips and I'm like, what's going on here? Yeah. But it's just, as soon as I had those thoughts, a binge would start. And like, I don't ever think that like I was full on binge eating, like binge eating, like when people talk about a binge and blacking out and like eating copious amounts of food and I think there was maybe a few a handful of times that that happened to me but it wasn't like a recurring problem mm-hmm. but my body would be like here we go again we're gonna be on a diet we gotta stock up 
Yep. Um, and so I'd have like these mini binges or these, like I'd suddenly feel this compulsive urge to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think kind of as my recovery went on, I started to be able to notice those. And yeah. then I started to be able to kind of and connect them back to the thoughts. And then now I'm kind of at a stage where as soon as I have the thought, I think, oh my God, that's stupid. Yeah. Move on. Yeah. But for a long time, it, it, like it took a while to get through that. It's a skill, honestly, being able to, first of all, be aware of your thoughts, right? I know that maybe sounds weird that you're not aware of your thoughts because they're your thoughts and they're going through your head, but not all your thoughts are yours. Some of them are driven by different things and come from different places. And those thoughts about the dieting, like they come from that food noise, from that diet voice, from gremlin, whatever you want to call it. And they're trying to guide you in a direction that ultimately is not your healthy self speaking for it. It's not sustainable. It's not really for you. It's driven out of needing control and shame and trying to just have structure and trying to create some sort of sense of something, right? But when you can acknowledge those and have awareness around those voices and then take that next step, which is also another challenge and something that really needs to be learned to be able to take a step back from them and like laugh at them or be like, hey, you know, what do I really need right now? Or what is this really about? And what am I actually trying to get at with this? Yeah. And then follow through with, you know, whatever else would be more supportive. I mean, there's so many steps there that take so much skill building and time and it's not easy. No, no, it's not. It takes so much time. And I think uh, like early on, I felt so much need, like when I, when I was first recognizing that that was what was happening, right? Like something had happened, whether it was intentional or not, like whether I was trying to restrict or maybe I just had a busy day or maybe I was getting my period or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I would really psychoanalyze it and try to like control it and stop it and, you know, restrict basically. Right. And the more I thought about it, like the worse it, like it would perpetuate it. Um, so I think kind of when I got to that point where I like, I could recognize like, Oh, I'm eating more than normal. And it was just, I don't know if it, like I did some meditating, maybe that kind of helped. Like I could recognize this is a thing that is happening. Mm -hmm. It's neither good nor bad. This is just Mm -hmm. information. The sky is blue today. Like, you know what I mean? So when I could recognize it, oh, I'm eating more than I would normally today. I'm really hungry. Like what's going on? And so now I kind of, sometimes I'll stop for a minute and be like, oh, well, did you eat, you know, were you busy and you didn't eat enough yesterday? Or like, are you getting your period? Or is like, is there something bothering you? Yeah. So I can have those thoughts, but like I'm much quicker and much less judgmental now when I'm going through that. Like, yeah, I have full permission to like continue eating and like when I finish the family size from Costco bag of chips if I would then like to open a tub of ice cream like that is okay mm-hmm. um and I think as soon as it's one of those things as soon as you give yourself permission to do it and I would say it out loud to myself I'd be like you can eat as much as you want whatever's going on and it's not like don't worry because you won't be hungry at dinner time so you won't you'll make up for yeah. it it wasn't yeah. like that it was just like I recognize that what's going on right now, you know, it might be that my body's genuinely hungry, or this might be a suit, something that I need to do to soothe myself. And like, that's okay. Eating is no different than having a bath or wrapping myself up in a blanket. Like this is what's available to me right now. Yep. And um, like, it would often quickly stop. Like I'd be like, oh, you know, these just don't really, I've had enough or, you know, I've, and I just go on with my day and it'd be, and it's over now. So for a long time, it wasn't. Um, and I sometimes I get really upset and whatever, but 
Yeah. I guess something important for people to know, right? Like if you kind of stick to it and like you tell yourself that it's okay and everything's going to be okay enough, eventually it will be okay. Yeah. The only way out is through. Yeah. It's so true, right? (laughs) Yeah. Two shall pass, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But that permission piece in so many ways was so key for you. Yeah. To just give yourself grace and to do what you needed to do with food, with exercise. Like it was just relieving all that pressure that had been Mm -hmm. on so long. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think that's having someone who got it tell me that it was okay was really what I needed to start that next chapter. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like such a small thing, but it really, it means it goes a long way. Mm -hmm. How did body image play into your healing process? Oh, yeah, that was, that was really hard. So again, it's the pandemic and it's closed down and my body's changing. And I was, if I dieted and worked out hard enough, I could shop in regular straight size stores. But now in recovery, I, you know, I was relegated to plus size stores, right? Which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but I couldn't just go out and shopping and see what fits. And that was really hard. And I'm quite sensitive to how things feel on my body and skin. And I don't know if it's an eating disorder thing or a neurodivergent thing, or I don't really, it doesn't really matter, mm. but how things fit bother me more than they do some other people. Right. And so if things weren't fitting comfortably or were pinching or too tight, like that was really triggering for me as I'm sure it is for a lot of people. So I'm still working on it. I'm a lot better than I better now than I was. And I think a lot of it is giving myself permission to present myself in a way that I like, you know, for example, like society tells us uh, you're a girl, so you have to have long hair and you have Mm. to whatever. And I've just come to the realization that I like to keep my hair shorter Yeah. or like, you know, some days I like to wear makeup and some days I don't. And it it doesn't really have anything to do with anyone else. It's just like what feels comfortable for me on a certain day. And I do think once I found some clothes that fit comfortably it was better and then I felt comfortable going out in but like it was something it's something I'm still working on and it's something I have to kind of practice and I think a lot of it is the perfectionism too right like your meal doesn't have to be perfect your intuitive eating doesn't have to be perfect and your outfit or your body doesn't have to be perfect either and you can go on about your day and do what you need to do or you want to do or whatever and like you don't have to look like a supermodel doing it yeah yeah I agree. I mean, body image, I, we're always working on it. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Every single one of us, we're always working on it. It's not just you. It's it's not a destination, right? It's not somewhere that you arrive at and yeah. you're like, ah, I accept my body now. I'm I'm great. It's yeah. It's a place like acceptance is a place that you kind of oscillate in and out of depending on your mood and maybe where you're at in your cycle and other life situations and how overwhelmed you are at the time. I think that it's something that's always in flux and you kind of go through different phases with it. But working on that foundation of neutrality and just like you said, I love the way you said, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect, just like food and exercise, like your body or your outfit, the way you look, it doesn't have to be perfect and it can just be what feels good on a daily. Yeah. Well, and it's funny again, at work, we're so much in this uh, continuous improvement and it's gotta be great. It can't just be good enough and and stuff like that. And I think, you know, so many of us have gotten stuck in that cycle 
And I had to accept that, like, sometimes it's just good enough. And I, I noticed for me, like, cause I dealt with some pain issues as well. I went through some periods with back pain and some other problems. And like, if I was having a day where I was having a lot of pain, I was going to have a bod- bad body image day. And I'm better about it now, but I know that I, at least now in my closet, I have a few things like, you know, I'm not going to win any style awards. I'm not going to be on any magazine covers, but like, it's good enough that it's not making the pain worse. And I feel like I can go out in public, you know what I mean? And that's enough. So I think that's a really healthy way of looking at it, honestly. And it took a while to get there. Yeah. 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 And again, it's, it's always evolving, but having that foundation of like, okay, I can, I know that I can wear this and I can leave the house and I'm going to be okay. And like, nothing bad is going to happen and I'm fine. That is so important because so many people don't even feel that way. Right. They feel like they can't leave the house and they can't be seen and they can't exist in the body that they're in. Yeah. Well, and I mean, again, I keep coming back to the pandemic, but it was such a huge part of my recovery, but like for the first year and a half or two years I was at home and I was going through all these body changes and no one had seen me and then so like the first few times I had to go to you know a friend's house or see a relative I hadn't seen in a while or go to work it was a huge thing like it was a lot of I was worried ahead of time and I couldn't find something I felt comfortable in and um, like the whole interaction like I remember going to work and like I don't know how I kept my job because like there was a lot of days that I didn't get a lot of work done because I was so anxious and so uncomfortable in my body. And now I'm comfortable. Maybe it's just like an exposure thing. You go enough times and you find things you feel good enough in and you get your work done and it's fine. So you just have to get through this, you know, maybe go shopping and think, okay, if you had had something different, like how could you have felt more comfortable in this in this setting and like try to look for something, but I, I don't stress about it. Like I'm still going to go to the wedding or go to the thing and no one's going to remember what I look like anyway. So, so true. We all have days that we don't look great and it happens even, you know, you see it on celebrity covers, you know, me looking this without makeup. Like we all go out sometimes when we're not looking our best and that's just fine. Yep. So that's normal. It's life. Yeah. You know, like you said, it's a work in progress, but it sounds like you've really come a long way and you are yeah. working on it, which is really wonderful. Definitely. I remember talking a lot about it with you though. Like I was really, really uncomfortable and really struggling to feel comfortable going out or going back to work and stuff like that when I was talking with you. And uh, I don't remember specific things that you mentioned necessarily, but I remember it being really helpful to talk to you about it and yeah. kind of try to put it in perspective. I guess as a mom, it's, it's hard for me to carve out time for myself to go to the store and try the things on and stuff like that. So I have to really actively do that in about once every six months, I'm able to go to a store. <laughs> um, but I know now that that's what I need to do. Like, yeah. I think I went through a phase where I just would order hundreds of dollars worth of stuff and try it all on and send half of it back. And yeah, I don't really do that anymore, but I mean, it's what I needed to do at the time. Absolutely. Well, and I think I've heard it's kind of, maybe it's a minimalism thing, but like, if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no, like send it back. Totally. Or you're just wasting your money. If you're like, I might be able to wear this to like family gatherings when it's warm out (laughs) it's like no (laughs) just send it back yeah if you don't love it if you're not gonna you don't know you're gonna wear it all the time or it's gonna be really useful just yeah 
And my closet isn't filled with things I love right now, but it's filled with things that I know I can put it on and I can go about my day. I'm going to be able to feel comfortable enough. I'm not going to be like trying to make it fit or sit right or whatever. So yeah. And it's, it's slowly kind of building up pieces that you love. And that takes a long time to do. Exactly. Well, and I think I've shifted now, like for the first couple of years, I'm like, well, I'm not going to buy anything expensive because I don't know what size I'm going to be like. Right. My body's kind of been stable long enough now that like I might lose weight. I mean, I'd be lying if I told you I wasn't hoping I would, but because, you know, this is a society we live in. But like, I'm starting to buy investment things and I'm okay with buying it at the size I am. And if it doesn't, if my body changes, you know, it's not the end of the world, but I want to buy things that I really like to wear and that are versatile, right? Like sometimes if you buy one or two things that are really good, you can wear them a lot more. So absolutely. It's a nice place to get to where you feel confident enough to just buy things that are, like you said, investment pieces that you know are yeah. quality and you're going to have them for a long time and you're going to like them. Yeah. And like, they don't necessarily have to be from an extensive store. Like nope. if you're a thrifter or whatever, like you can do that too. Cause just because it didn't fit someone else's body doesn't mean it won't fit your body. So totally. In what ways would you say your life's different? Now that you're at this place of more food freedom than well, it's so different. Like so much of my time, my brain space, my my time, my energy, like everything was spent on dieting. Every mu- penny I made was just to pay for the next fitness program or diet book or whatever. I have so much more brain capacity and I have so much more emotional patience. And um, I don't know, just like my mindset is just so different. From my towards myself, but to other people too, like, um, you know, I, I'm a lot more compassionate, I think, uh, to myself and to others, but also like, I have no patience for BS either. Like, it's, it's funny how you can, it's both, right? Yeah. Um, I just think my priorities have really changed where like diet and fitness was an exercise and whatever was and being thin was very much at the top of my priority list before. Right. Um, and like, I didn't say it that way. I said being healthy was at the top of my priority list, but we all know being healthy. It's just another way of saying being thin. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, like I stress so much about trying to do everything and take my kids everywhere and make sure that they were like, everything was a project and a program. And now it's not like that at all. Like I try to just spend time with them and listen. And like, sometimes I just stare at the wall and like, that's okay. I don't know. Yeah. There's more ease and you're able to go with the flow more and not stress about everything being so organized and structured. And it's not that you're not organized but it's just like there's not worry when you know plans change or things go wrong or you can adapt more easily yeah absolutely like I think if I was trying to stick to anything with just because now like with kids and family and social engagements and hockey practice and like my head would explode yeah and I don't feel like that now like there's days that I feel stressed or like I'm trying to juggle things, but there's so much more flexibility and ease. You're absolutely right. Like it's so much easier to just shift things around. And like in the morning, I don't have to get up at five o'clock and do a 40 minute hit training or whatever anymore. Like 
if I haven't slept well the night, like I can just keep sleeping until the last possible minute if I want. <laughs> and that is fine, you know? Yeah. I love that. It's realistic, right? Like that is just yeah. realistic for life and you have more room to just do what feels good for your family, for you. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot more room to just do what I want to do and just to do what I need to do to get through the day. And like, that's okay. Yes. So really proud of you. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you for helping me to get here. It was not always an easy process. No, it's, it's not, but it's well worth the work. Oh yeah, for sure. It's hard to like living in such a you know, everyone around you is still so caught up in have phobia and dieting. And I just want to shake them and be like, there's another way. Yeah. Um, but, you know, people have to wait until they're ready. I feel that often. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think especially as a larger person, like if I was thin, they might be will- more willing to accept. But I mean, they might not too. They'd be like, well, that works for you, but it wouldn't work for me. Yeah. Because I know I thought that way too, right? So. Yeah. 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 People have to arrive on their own timeline for sure. Mm-hmm. So what's yeah. maybe one piece of advice that you would tell someone who's struggling with body image or their relationship with food right now? Uh, I think that's what it is. Like there's, there's another way. Um, there's people that will help you. I know when I first started working with you, I balked at the cost and realistically, it's no different than talking to a therapist or anything like that. And I was, you know, I was actually able to have it covered under my benefits. Yeah. Not everybody has that. I recognize that, but it was so worth it. Cause realistically, like I was, if I had continued trying to diet, like I told you, like I, it was going to be the end of my marriage and like, that was going to cost more. Mm. And I probably could pull up my budget tracking from previous years. And I would have spent way more on treadmills and, you know, protein shakes and all the diet crap. Like (laughs) it was a savings (laughs) and, but it saved me too. Right. Like it's cheaper than inpatient therapy and like, it's, it it was well worth it. So if you're kind of on the fence or anything like that, I, I would share that information, you know, start with group coaching, you know? Yeah. I I think that's a really good point that you made though, is just, I mean, it's hard to make an investment in yourself, but when you really look at, you know, what what you're spending on everything else, it's kind of like, okay, so yes, this feels like a lot and it's hard to make that commitment to myself and do that, but I'm wasting so much time and energy and money and resources doing what I'm doing right now. Yeah, absolutely. No, really good advice. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's been really wonderful chatting with you and catching up with you and it's really nice to see you again. And I'm I'm glad you decided to do this. It was really awesome. Oh, well, I'm, my pleasure. I thank you for including me. And yeah, I think I mentioned listen to other people's stories was so helpful to me. And hopefully, you know, my situation, someone else can relate to it and uh, it maybe helps them along their way. So, well, thank you again. And we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. This episode is brought to you by the Empowered Eaters Collective, a monthly membership program where you can learn intuitive eating in a safe space where all bodies are welcome. Complete with all the resources, support, and community you'll need to heal from diet culture and food freedom. For just $37 a month, you'll get weekly coaching calls, monthly workshops, 24-7 community support, my signature Food Freedom Forever program, and a bonus access to my Body Image Reset course and Binge Style Makeover Workshop. We get started on March 1st. If you join the waitlist, you'll get your first month free. So head to brittanyallisonrd.com slash membership to get on the list.